Today's reading is from Psalm 46, verse 7 through 11. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, um, we thank you that you're here. And we just say we want to hear from you. Um, Let your word speak to our hearts. Let it settle us. Let it fill us, let it transform us. God, tear down our walls. We just, we cast our crowns before you, Jesus. You are king, you are ruler, you are coming back. And um, God, we want to live in a way that displays your kingdom here in Boston, here in our world. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. How are we doing this morning? All right. You guys are doing well. Well caffeinated. (laughs) Um, Well done, Emery, and everything that's been said thus far to really tee this up today. Um, And I just want to say this, like, because we have a value doesn't mean that we're not committed to, like, following Jesus in all his ways for every area of our lives. We are fully committed to that. But just in addition, we have a distinctive um, and some distinctive values that has shaped and that are shaping who we are as a community. And as Pastor Al preached last week on like our mission to advance joy, practice the presence of Jesus in community, we have, we have three values that we've kind of mined for and discovered within this community that God has um, placed in us. And that is space to listen. And when we talk about values, we want to say this is what, this is what we want people to feel when they're in this community. We want, to, we want people to feel like they have a space to listen, that we've curated a space where they can encounter God. And so we, we live in a world of rush. Would you agree? We got, yeah, yeah. How many rushed here today? Come on, tell the truth. <laughs> right? And we lost the hour. When we don't lose the hour, I'm rushing. We lost the hour, I'm extra rushing. Um, well, my Uber driver was, he was with it though. With it. <laughs> um, our minds, my mind is racing all the time. I feel like the moment I start something, I'm already moving to the next thing before I even finish the thing that I'm on. It happens when I'm driving around this city. I'm like, I'm trying to catch that second stoplight, right? I'm like, I'm already positioning and moving myself for the next thing because we got to keep going. And by the way, I, I don't want to get got by someone when I'm driving. Like, don't get in front of me. You might cause me to miss something. Like, in grocery stores, like, people are posturing to beat you to, beat you to the checker, Right? Right? I'm like, what, what's the rush? Like, come on, calm down. Um, in the stores, in the trains, you can even go double time on an audiobook or a podcast. That's right. That's right. Like, man, I'm about, to, I'm about to blitz this book during my workout. Put it on quadruple time. Let's go. <laughs> I'm about to inhale books. Um, 
And like, that's our world. We don't have time to sit down and read a book, right? I'm, I'm on the move. I got my headphones in double time while I'm working out and while I'm responding to emails. That's the life that we, so many of us live and we're bombarded with and we're being formed by. And, and if you're like me, I, when I think of the pace of my world, and I think of God's pace, it seems as though God's going in slow motion. It's like he's on a different system of time. And I mean, doesn't God know that I have a five-minute window for him to connect with me? God, you got five minutes. I need you to show me the wonders of the universe. And that I needed that prayer request answered last month. I'm like, Where, what's going on with the response time, God? And the way that I move doesn't seem to match the pace in which God is responding. Doesn't God see how fast our world is moving? How fast things seem to be going downhill? Have you ever just asked the question, God, where are you? God, where, where are, you? are you? Are the transmissions going through? Are you receiving it? Your life is either so busy or distracted that you can't hear God or experience his peace. Or like me, your life is either ha has brief moments of peace in the midst of chaos, but they feel way too inconsistent. Psalm 46 is the first, is a, is a first of several songs of, of Zion that celebrate God's presence and God's protection. It's a, it's a psalm of presence and protection. And verse 7 says, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The Israel's in, they're in a time of war. There is conflict of security and safety are in jeopardy. God's promises to the people of God are in jeopardy, or, or it feels like it. So something needs to be done. There's angst in the community, and there's something needs to be done. There needs to be some action. And the, the psalmist, the sons of Kor, they remind the people of God that God is with us. Throughout history, the people of God, um, God says to them over and over things like, be still, wait. Listen, pay attention. Don't get ahead of what I'm doing. Don't miss what I'm doing. Don't misconstrue who I am. He tells Moses that he's going to use him to deliver the people of God out of the hands of, the, of Egyptian captivity. And in light of that, he says, most importantly, Moses, I'm going to be with you. Who, who are you? I am. You, you will see my salvation. And so the psalmist is great that he's, he's reminding us who is with us. He's saying, listen, I, I know that your, your, your eyes are scattered all around on what's happening, but let me remind you who's with you, an almighty God. Now, I wish I had an organ right now because the organ would have been playing right now. Like, who's with you? An almighty God, El Shaddai. He's with you. He's here, this almighty, all-powerful God. He's with you. 
He has the power. He holds the universe in order. He speaks things into existence and they live and they go on. And, and he holds the earth on its axis and he causes trees to grow and rivers to stream and he, he heats up the planet and he makes light and day. This God who has all power, El Shaddai, almighty God, is with us. He has power. He's powerful the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He's, a, he's not only with us, but he's a fortress. He's a strong tower. That means he's a place of, of refuge. He's a covering. He's, he's a, a place where you can receive recovery for your soul, where you can feel protected and guarded. And this structure is not compromised based on the elements in the world. It's not compromised based on what's coming against you, though it may feel ferocious like his refuge, his fortress is strong enough to stand and withhold anything that's coming against you. He's a strong tower. The great theologian Martin Luther was so moved by Psalm 46. He wrote the hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And if you're like beyond or not old enough to be in the hymn, the hymn world... <laughs> I want to sing it so bad, but I'm not. This <laughs> is a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. God is a mighty fortress. He's mighty in power, and he's with us. He's with us right now. What often happens when I'm in a trying season or a dry season, I begin to think that God isn't present. That, that this, this, thing, this stuff's not working. I don't, I don't see the results and the evidence of, of his power in, in my life and in, in the time that I need it. Because often what's in front of me demands my attention and it grabs all my, my attention and I get consumed with trying to fix what's going on thinking that the battle is mine thinking that I can make, I can create outcomes. And, and when, I, when I do that, when I think that God's not present, I have to take things on my own, I end up drifting away from God. And if you, if you play basketball, I end up boxing him out. Because God is not fitting into my time restraints. And, and if I'm honest, in crisis, I'm wondering if his power is enough. In crisis, I'm wondering if his power is available to actually meet the needs that I have in the moment. And I think in life, we can forget what God has done. I think in, in crisis and in, in the busyness of life, we can forget what God has done. We can forget hey, who he is and our, has the, the famous hymn, Come Thou Fount says, our, our hearts are prone to wander. And the psalmist continues in verse 8. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolation he has brought on the earth. Come and see what God has done. And to come and see what God has done requires us to direct our attention towards him. We direct our attention towards him by re remembering his track record. 
And there's something about like literally remembering his track record. Man, God, I remember when you saved me when I was 21 years old. I remember when you, when you, when you took that, that, that addiction away from me. I remember when you, when you gave my wife. I remember when you helped me graduate from college. I remember when you provided for me when I didn't know how I was going to buy my kids Christmas. Because I remember when my lights got turned off and, man, someone showed up with a check and, and gave me money to pay my, my lecture bill. I remember the time I was, I was a flat tire and someone just pulled over out of the blue that this, I felt compelled to pull over and showed up. Oh, and, and there's something in the midst as you begin to tell you the story of what God's done in your life that it's like, whoa, I feel like you're here. And our eyes and our awareness begin to notice that maybe he's been here the whole time. And maybe I've been so fixed on what I'm not seeing that I've taken my eyes off what, I've, what I know for sure that God has done. And he hasn't stopped being who he is. He's an almighty God who's here with us. His fortress hasn't moved places. It it reminds me of the story on the road to Emmaus when Jesus is walking post-crucifixion with two gentlemen. They're like, you don't know what happened? He's like, no, tell me. Jesus is going along with them. He acted like he was going to go somewhere else. It's not on the screen. Um, And... um, they have dinner with him, and he breaks the bread, and they're like, and he's gone. They're like, oh, my gosh, did our hearts not burn? Like, we, we thought it was over, but God is right in the midst with us, and we didn't even know. First John and Jesus um, just finished getting baptized. He's starting his earthly ministry, and um, there's this, these disciples that are following, and Jesus turned, and he saw them following, and he says, what do you want, he asked. And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Jesus says, come and see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent the day with him. It was about the 10th hour. Jesus tells these disciples, future disciples, come and see he gives them an invitation, and they have an option to accept the invitation and recognizes they, they had jobs. They had things to do. They had eye calendars. Like, they had plans, and um, they didn't say, tell us something real quick so we can get back on our regularly scheduled program. They said, we want to be with you. Where are you staying? We want to know you. And pay attention to that verse. It says, they spent the day with him. They spent the day with Jesus based on his invitation for them to come and see. And see, when we talk about space to listen, we are saying we believe that God wants to reveal himself to you. Not that he just wants to tell you some some facts about himself. We believe that God wants to reveal himself to you, to speak something specifically to you in your life. Revelation says the spirit and the bride say come. There's an invitation from from the living God to humans to say, I want you to know me and I want you to, and I want to know you. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shield with fire. And there's gonna, there will be a day where there's a promise in here that God's saying, I will settle all things once and for all. And there is a kingdom that's coming that's unshakable, that's going to change the world, it's going to change your life. But also, this is saying there's a reminder of remember how far that I've brought you. Remember the victories. 
And God knows our daily lives are not Thomas Kincaid pictures. He knows that there's battles. He knows that there's stuff going on in our life internally and externally. And I think what the scriptures are saying over and over again is that you can still experience the fresh, calm, refreshing of God in your life in the midst of maybe chaos. Isaiah 35 gives us a picture of when God shows up and it says the desert and the parched land will be, gl- will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The almighty God who is a fortress is made, is designed for us. That's, he's with us, he's for us. And he makes us bloom where we're planted. And I I just let us sit us on that because oftentimes I think it's the next thing and that is where God will show up. And he's like, no, right here, right now in what you're going through, where I've planted you is where I want you to experience me. And this passage isn't on, isn't on the screen, but Jesus, um, in Mark 4, the, the, he invites his disciples on the boat to cross the lake, and um, a furious squall comes out. I don't know, who, talk, who uses those words, furious squall? Anyways, a storm came, and, um, and then the disciples are freaking out, you know, like, whoa, we're in a, we're in a storm, what's going on, boat shaking, um, we don't have life raft, we don't have cell phones to call, um, um, patrol agents, anyways, and so they're like, Jesus, don't you care if we drown? And Jesus is laying, I love it, he's laying on the pillow, and he gets up, and he speaks to the storm, he says, quiet, be still. And the disciple, he says to the disciples, why, why are you so afraid? Where's, where's your faith? And, and I believe that Jesus is saying, you're responding as though I am not with you. And I want you to hear this in a way, like they know a person named Jesus is in the boat. But do they know that I am is in the boat? Do they know that El Shaddai is in the boat? And maybe many for us, we know that, okay, I know that there is a Jesus and I know that he has done things in the past, but do I know that this Jesus that has power, who's mighty to save, is, is present and active and wants to move in my life? And so I respond to the storm differently because I know who's in the boat with me. And even at the end of this passage, the disciples, they look to themselves and they go, who is this? They thought they knew who he was. They had an idea of who he was. Like, you know, we joke around with them. We've had some food. We saw some cool, some, some cool healings. We don't really, we don't really have the, the understanding and the depth of really who he is. I mean, this, this guy can quiet storms. And here in verse 10, God is telling us the same thing. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Listen, I'm, I'm very, very, very much human like you are. And listen, the last thing I want to hear when things are going haywire is calm down, Rashad. You just need to relax, calm down. Like, it's the last, like, really the last thing I want to hear because I'm like, no, I want to freak out. I want to lose my mind right now because this looks crazy. 
So that's the last thing I want to hear because calm down just seems a little too passive. Be still feels a little too passive. I know I got a little strength in my body. I know I can do something. I know I I got a little charisma. I can work my magic, right? I feel like I can do something and calm down feels like I'm I'm not being a good steward of who I actually am. And God says, be still and know that I, I am God. So what does be still mean? And in one way, it means cease and desist. And a, one commentator says it like this, be still literally means take your hands off, relax. It calls for combatants to stop their fighting and pay attention. And if you get anything from today, be still is an invitation to posture ourselves to hear God and see him work. And I I believe that God has to tell us to be still because we're moving. And oftentimes we take on the burden that we have to fix things, that we have to play God in our lives. And also, um, stillness is hard. Like, I can't stop fidgeting right now. Stillness is hard. Even preparing this sermon, like, um, I'm just bombarded with my to-do list. Like, it's just glaring me in the face and deadlines and emails and calendar invites and Laker games. Like, all these things are all happening. You just slide that in. All these things are happening all in the same moment. I'm just like, what? And I'm just bombarded with so much that's going on. And it's hard for me to sit still because I'm like, I'm going to respond to the email while I read this commentary, while I text my my wife. And I'm like, all at at once. And I'm like, so be still. And to be clear, being still doesn't mean that, I don't, that we don't do anything that's on our list. It doesn't mean that we don't pay attention to our responsibilities or cares of the world. But being still, what it does is it reframes my response by slowing down to remember who's with me. When I'm, when I'm in the cusp of frenzy, that I, I just slow down and I go, God, no, God's, God's with me. God cares way more about you being transformed than I ever will. God cares way more about his kingdom being advanced than I ever will. God cares way more about my kid's future than I ever will. And he's he's with me and he still hasn't vacated his position as the king of the universe. And so my response is slowing down to remember that. Um... I believe most, most uh, as I parent, most of my teaching is, is done by immersion. And so, um, like, kids, we're just going to learn a new thing. <laughs> and and it's all, so I remember teaching my kids how to swim, and we'd be in the pool, and they'd be, like, freaking out. And, and I just had to, like, sometimes just grab them and go, I'm with you. There's no way I would ever let you drown. And sometimes I think in life we forget who's with us or don't slow down enough to really contemplate and meditate on who's with us and who God is. The name, one of the names that God uses in this passage is the Lord of hosts, and it literally means the God who fights for you. 
the God who's on your side. And the God, the God who's on your side that's fighting for you is saying, relax, I got this. But the deadline's fast approaching. It's overdue. Relax, pay attention. I got this. One writer says this, in the midst of conflict and life turmoil, sometimes we just need to open our eyes, step back, stop what we're doing, and acknowledge who God is and what he can do. Doing so provides comfort in the chaos and peace in the midst of of struggle. We're still talking about space to listen. And and it's, for me, I think it's, often counterintuitive and in some ways countercultural. And, and being still, I think what it says is that I would not be enslaved to my worries, my anxiety, distractions, busyness, noises, stress, emotions, misplaced hope, protective mechanisms, you name it. It's sitting, being still is sitting in the midst of maybe confusion or chaos and saying, Holy Spirit, you, you are welcome here. You are, you are welcome in this space right now. You are welcome in my thoughts. You are welcomed in my heart. You are welcome in my pain. You are welcome in my plan. You are welcomed in my desires. And though it seems passive, it's not. It's uh, when we sit to, to give space to listen, we're actively positioning our hearts and minds in God's fortress. When we do it, we're making a profession that says, I'm not God, you are. Another writer says this, stillness is an energetic quality of being. It's naturally present in the heart of every human being, equally so. Sometimes after a few cups of coffee or a fight, we might not feel it, but it's still always there. It's only us who have chosen to disconnect from it. In other words, we're made for it. We're made for it. And, and Augustine, the great African theologian, he says it, grace is, you have made us for, your, for yourself, O oh, oh Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. We were made to rest in, in God. And God is not saying that there's no battle, but it's how you're going about the battle that needs to cease. Because here's the point. Here's what God really wants, us. He's not impressed with how much you can do in a day. I might be impressed. Um, He's not impressed with your resume, on how much you can accomplish. You read all through the Psalms, he's like, I'm not impressed with horses. I'm not impressed with how much gold you're able to collect. I'm, I'm impressed with those who fear me and whose hearts are bent towards me. Deuteronomy 4, 7 says, says this, what other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? 
Like, like God wants to reveal himself to us. He doesn't want us to pray that so we're checking off a checklist. We're not giving space to listen to seem important. We're doing that because God wants to intimately know us and have us be known. And so prayer is way more than just talking words. It's a posture and a lifestyle of listening and paying attention, attention to what's going on and hearing from God. It's an active choice that we're saying, God, I want to posture my life to hear from you, to be with you, to stay with you. I believe what God is saying is to to prioritize his beautiful invitation into his goodness. Psalm 84 says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk is blameless. And this is why we create a space to listen because it's literally life. It's, it's literally life. Like the psalmist has realized there's, no, there's nothing else that's comparable that, that nourishes my soul than being in the presence of God, than carving out a, a way of life that is presence-driven, that is seeking and hearing from the heart of God for my life. And so what, when we talk about space to listen, what we're, what we're saying is this is counter-formation. Anyone play soccer, watch soccer, right? There's like, like a counterattack, right? And so like we're saying like, here's what the world is doing. Rush, rush, rush. Do, do, do. Accomplish, accomplish, accomplish. And we're saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause and I'm going I'm to hear from God. Like for the disciples to spend the day with Jesus, they had to not do some other things. And we're saying we're going to, we're going, to, we're going to be counterformed from the rush and the anxiety and the chaos of life. One of my favorite authors, Ruth Haley Barton, says this. In the end, this is the most powerful thing any of us can say about spiritual transformation. I cannot transform myself or anyone else for that matter. What I can do is create the conditions in which spiritual transformation can take place by developing and maintaining a rhythm of spiritual practices that keep me open and available to God. And so when you, when you walk in here, this space is intentional. It's designed and architect in a way where we're saying, God, we want people to hear from you. We're not, we're, we're not here to be the next sexy church here in Boston. Like we want people to meet with you. We might go a little over an hour and a half, but you know what? It's okay. We want people to meet with you. We know statistics say try to keep sermon under 20 minutes. We're saying, you know what? We're going to bump that because we want people to meet with you. This, that's what this space is designed for. And it, we, at the end of the day, we want to create an oasis for the weary, Like, that's our mission, to advance joy for the weary, practicing the presence of Jesus in community. And so if you come here, there's people here at 8 o'clock and 8.30, 9 o'clock, praying specifically for today, for the city, for your community groups, for your neighborhoods, because they believe that if they encounter and if you encounter God, that everything changes. 
And we ask God to meet people. We ask God to, to wash his love over us. We bend a schedule and finances so we can retreat, so we can pull away, so we can diagnose our hearts. We block off the front of this auditorium, not for aesthetic, but for you to come and cry out to God. And though aesthetic is still nice. We position people all around this place to pray with one another. We slow down our, our time and minimize distraction and, and repeat confession every week because we say, God, my heart will wander. My heart does wander, and I want to be positioned in you. And we scatter throughout a region, and we connect with one another in homes, and we practice meditative prayer and prayer requests and shared meals together because we believe that God's presence is experienced in community, and we hear God in community. We want to give space in our lives, and we want to cut margins into our lives to hear from God. And we want people, when they come into our groups and when they come into this space, they're like, man, I don't know if God's real, but there's something speaking to me. There's, there's something going on. Or may, maybe for some people, it's their first time where they've actually sat and sat still all week. Like God's vision for the world is to be revealed through us. And I long that we resemble and look like people who've been around Jesus. His fame and greatness are revealed in, in our stillness. He says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. He's, he's God. He's at work. No, no one else will, will get the credit but him. And he, he ends, he ends the, this um, chapter with repeating verse 7 in verse 11. He says, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And depending on, your, on, your, on what Bible translation you have, it will end with a Selah. Each of these three stanzas ends with that. And that means pause. Think on that. God is an ever-present help in time of need. He's present in whatever you're going through. And we believe, I believe, that he wants you to know that. And so we're going to close. And I'm just going to end with, with a question and a meditation. You might be asking, God, where are you in my pace in life? And I believe God is saying he's in the waiting He's in the still small voice. He's in the midst of the chaos. And he's in the depths of whatever you're going through. And so I want you to pay attention to each phrase of verse 10. And, and if you're comfortable enough, close your eyes and hear this. Think about whatever you're going through. Think about whatever you need right now. Hear this. Be still and know that I am God.
Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. And be. Lord, you have our attention. Lord, we want to, want to be where you are. Would you reveal yourself to us in this, in this space?